This is Broadcast, Talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. Hello and welcome, I'm Peter White. This week we've got sticky fingers and we're going to let them bleed. As the dust settles on a week dominated by the Great British Bake Off, we do some dirty work and go undercover to explore the BBC's plans to tender three of its longest-running shows and what that means for the industry. We get our rocks off at ITV's annual Producers Forum and shine a light on the fallout from Channel 4's move to poach the baking competition. We also have previews, including Keith Richards' Lost Weekend on BBC4. We speak to Cassian Harrison, boss of the channel, about what Keith will have in store for viewers. We also watch Morgana Robinson's The Agency, BBC2's latest sketch show, which sees the comedian mock the likes of Natalie Cassidy and Miranda Hart. That's all coming up on Talking TV from Broadcast. Joining me at Maple Street Studios, as always, Kerfuffle founder Stephen D. Wright, Avalon's factual creative director Ian Lamara, and Broadcast BBC senior reporter Hannah Ganajay-Stewart. First this week, tendering. The BBC has put out Holby City, A Question of Sport, and Songs of Praise for Tender, with an additional £250 million worth of commissions available for indies and BBC Studios producers to go head-to-head after the in-house guarantee was axed. Big meeting yesterday in New Broadcasting House. Uh, Hannah, you were there. Uh, what, What happened at that meeting? Well, we had several BBC executives stand up and explain to a room full of producers um, how they were going to go about this rather complicated process of tendering out shows. It's obviously the first time they've done it on this scale. There have been shows that have gone out in the past, like Question Time. But this is a whole new regime whereby dropping the 50% guarantee for in-house means that all the in-house shows will eventually go out. Did they do a good uh, good explanation? They did. It was pretty thorough, more thorough than I was expecting, actually. I think people in the room were sort of reassured. There were a couple of questions that accidentally came up. I don't think they had anticipated a question about ancillary rights. So this idea that if the formats are won by an indie, they are sort of improved to the point, the format points are changed so that, you know, the show does better in future. Would there be any... IP or rights um, associated with that and the deal is there will not. There's no IP attached to these. It is just production for hire. So I think people kind of knew that. They were hoping for a slightly more positive answer perhaps. And then the other issue was a slight slip up I think possibly by Mark Lindsay who said that there was a possibility that staff from studios may have to move over to Indies in certain circumstances it wasn't very clear what circumstances they would be which (laughs) was not responded to very positively in the room there was a slight gasp that went up at that point it's not entirely clear that that's the case I think that might have been a slight misrepresentation actually and is probably a confusion between staff moving from in-house to studios as a commercial entity. But you yeah. spoke to some producers afterwards that seemed to be relatively positive about them. Yeah, on the whole, I think people do feel positive about it. Ultimately, this means that there is going to be 250 million quid's worth of work out in the market that wasn't there previously. So, you know, as Jane Turton said to me afterwards, who's going to turn their nose up at that? That's great to have that opportunity. And there's 150 hours more each year in factual as a result of, you know, shows not being held for in-house. So, you know, ultimately there's more work to bid for and a lot of it does have IP attached. If you're coming up with an original format or an original idea, you're going to get IP rights. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Stephen, can we expect Kerfuffle pitching for uh, Songs of Praise? Or, yeah. or, or perhaps we get your, your big uh, mate Sam on the uh, question of I think I think my version of Songs of Praise would be a winner, definitely. I would have uh, more hymns, more praying and less God. 
Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm surprised I wasn't invited. Actually, I was, I thought I would have been a, a shoe in for Holby City remake. I read this with with interest because what will the criteria be for giving it over to an indie? Because that's the sort of mysterious get out of jail card free rule book. It's a little bit of a worry in terms of small indies. Can they be given these kind of... They have offered some reassurance on that, and they are saying they're going to make it as level playing field as possible. Yeah. So they... Well, yeah, I mean, it, mm. the proof's I'm, in the you pudding. Know, just but... for, the, for the listener, I'm stroking my chin <laughs> at this stage. You're not, you're not convinced, Stephen, that, uh, that they're going to uh, offer this to, to small uh, and medium-sized indies? I think this is a, a gift for, for super indies, basically. That's That was my take on it. Yeah, I mean, there was an interesting point, actually, at which they sort of alluded to Super Indies partnering a little bit more with the BBC and kind of adopting their uh, values. So Bao kind of said a little bit about that and said, you know, it's about time, you know, some of the Super Indies are bigger than studios, so they need to kind of adopt some of our values and sort of work with us on delivering, you know, our diversity objectives, our objectives for regional production, this sort of thing. So there's certainly some kind of sense that they're aligning with Indies, a bit, with Super Indies a little bit, but um, they promised that they were going to make stuff open to oh. everyone, so... Opportunities for Avalon, Ian? Well, I think the interesting thing, because I wasn't at this thing yesterday, is that there's no IP on those mm. ideas. I think that's what everyone wants to know. And, and and that's why I think maybe it won't be the super indies that are all clamouring for it. But mm. I, if I was still at Alaska, where I used to be, or, or wherever, a smaller indie, I'd be going for something like that. Because that income is so important. Whereas if I was yeah. a super indie... I'd be thinking, why why are we doing this? Because we don't have any IP. But then again, as you said, who would turn the nose up at that much money? And that and uh, you know, being able to keep your production team on, being able to generate yeah. that much income, having those iconic brands, you know. So yeah. I think it, I think it's a case of looking at the small print underneath the headlines and seeing what the deal actually is. Yeah, it's when those tenders come out and you can see what the criteria are for for eligibility to apply that it will become clearer whether they're being. Did you fair, say that? So the staff of the BBC will be what? Put into the production teams. Well, there was this. This was mentioned, sort of in response to a separate question, and Mark was trying to sort of clarify some issues, which I think possibly he wasn't in. It, he may not have been completely clear yeah. on, but his suggestion was that in certain circumstances, if a show moved over to an indie, staff attached to that show presumably who aren't freelancers may have to cheapy transfer over with the show to the indie. But who would pay their wages? Well, the indie would have to in that case, right. but. I don't. I wouldn't sort of read that as fact. They're still working this out, though. They are still working this out. But I think, I think out. that there would be invaluable experience if you're like the serious producer of Question of Sport for ten years. Then why wouldn't you know we want to have that person? But I think hmm. I'd love to make Question of Sport. It'd be cool. You weren't at the BBC, uh, Ian, but you were at the ITV Producers yes. Forum, and, and Kevin Ligo joked uh, that he'd pay for original ideas to producers that don't win the contract for Holby City. <laughs> yes. Uh, how was the uh, ITV Producers Forum? It, it, it was good. I mean, Kevin should be on television. He's like a stand-up comic, you know, it was like uh, he'd been scripted by a comedy writer. Uh, he, he was very funny, very entertaining, and I think the whole point of it was to make ITV warm to the, to the indie sector, and, and I think one of his big things was to underline that it's not a closed shop, it's not somewhere that they only commission ITV studios and their own indies, they want to commission everyone else. They want the best ideas, and it was quite bizarre, they, they set up like a chat show, so they had a, a host on a mm. sofa, and then a sofa for the guests, and the guests were like Sue Murphy and Peter Davey, and it was like Alan Carr's chatty man. But they were all great, and showed some really interesting stuff, showed some tasters and uh, sizzles of stuff that was coming up. And um, Were they looking for anything that you hadn't expected? No, I mean, uh, these things are always quite, for indies who see them regularly, you know, we see Sue, uh, or for a routine every every two weeks, we see Peter quite often, and 
so we do know what they want, but it's more of a, a brand thing. It's more saying ITV is, is, is in your head. You know, when you come up with an idea, as you know, you have to think, where am I going to put this and who am I going to email? And I, I think in Britain, we tend not to um, pitch the same idea to too many people at the same time. So it's, it's putting a, a, a channel in your head to think, I'll send it to Peter Davey instead of Don Bird or whatever. Up next, we explore the TV landscape in a world where Bake Off will air on Channel 4. The BBC has moved quietly to speak to some of its key suppliers after losing the baking competition. Producers have said that the corporation should reward them when they have a hit show rather than reduce tariffs, such as in the US, where a beauty parade process helps. Stephen, is that your experience? Well, people always pitch to more than one channel, but normally not in an open way. And normally you do go to your preferred supplier first, or you're the preferred supplier, I should say, and you go to your, your commissioner but it's that thing of the commissioners do sit on ideas for months on end and you you know that idea becomes sort of redundant. So if you've got the upper hand, if you've got a talent attached or something like that or something that people are you know are chomping at the bit at then you potentially can say we'll offer it to other people. But commissioners have this ridiculous idea that their channel is bespoke and unique and no show can ever work on any other channel, which is a load of bollocks. You know, you can sometimes change the format or whatever or a tiny percent and it can work on any channel. But they don't like the idea of it, so it has to be this sort of dance. You're supposedly pitching to your one true love and not to the six other commissioners that you're secretly texting during the meeting. And we're hearing this morning that uh, Mary Berry is uh, not going to be on Channel 4. What do no. you make of uh, Mary? I mean, I think she's uh, she's probably done the right call. She's a BBC brand through and through. She's got another series on the BBC already. And, you know, the new Bake Off, the Channel 4 Bake Off, isn't for another two years anyway. So who's to know whether she'd still be wanting to present at that point? So it's not a big surprise, and it just reaffirms her status as Britain's national treasure. Ian, what did you make of this situation with the BBC, Love and and Channel 4? Would you have done what Richard McCarrow did? Absolutely. I mean, I think if you asked any indie, genuinely, do you want £75 million You'd say yes, and I don't care if you're a tiny or, or a massive brand, and I don't think he should be um, on the receiving end of any sort of criticism because he, he's a business. You know, he's a, he runs his own independent production company. His aim was to get business. He created a brand, and he and he took you know a, a big offer, and I think that's fair enough. Is there a frustration that when you get a hit show, you don't necessarily always get uh, rewarded for it? I wish I knew, Pete. <laughs> um, but, but seriously, if you if you create the IP, if you create a brand like that then you deserve to kind of look at how you can exploit it as best you can, whether it's, you know, uh, doing deals in the US, selling the format, uh, selling rewrites, anything like that. And so his contract had come up and he took more money to go somewhere else. And I think it's like, if that happened to a football player, you wouldn't question it. Hannah, what's the uh, what's the view from inside the BBC? You've been speaking to a few people, uh, you know, a couple of weeks after this has happened. Oh, I think there's, obviously, people are disappointed. They think that they did as much as they could to keep the show and obviously the BBC is strapped for cash so it's not like they can match every offer out in the market and they feel like they nurtured the show and that they've lost it at this point. There's, I think there's a sort of split approach with the BBC in these shows which is that on the one hand are they there to nurture shows to a certain point and then kind of let them free you know a lot of people have said to me well if you've got something else coming up behind it that's got the potential to be that much of a success it's not such a loss it's when you've got those shows to their peak point and then they go and you haven't got anything else coming up that it's a problem so on the one hand we've nurtured it we wish it would stay with us it's not fair on the other hand, you know, maybe the BBC is there to do that and, uh, and, and let them go into the market. I don't think the BBC is a feeder club, to use a football term. I think that they did the maths. They thought this is how valuable this is and this is what we can afford to justify spending. And, and, that, and that wasn't 
you know, part of with mm. Richard. But um, I think the bigger question is the rights position in Britain. We have the best rights deal of any country. It's where everyone wants to pitch their shows here. And it's moments like this where broadcasters go, well, what did I get from that? Because mm. I'm absolutely sure, I think it was Emma Willis who commissioned that show. She would have absolutely been pivotal to that format, to pushing it through, to probably picking the talent as well. I'm sure Richard would say that. And the broadcaster gets their 15% and that's it. And so I think what I'm scared of is this turning into the broadcasters looking at their deal and saying, well, actually, if you're going to do that to me, we want a part of X, Y, Z. And maybe that, that is going to happen, but it would be a real shame. Are you both pitching baking formats to the BBC yeah. right now? Well, Hannah just said the proof is in the pudding, and I thought that's a cool title <laughs> I for know, a show. I should have, I should <laughs> no, I really. Um, should have saved that for this I'm actually stirring a baking mix right now. It looks smell good. It. We should bake a cake. Are yeah. you the new Paul Hollywood? I, uh, well, people have said that. I sound like Paul Hollywood, so, you know, possibly. Finally, uh, going back to ITV, uh, Kevin Ligo has moved quickly to renew The X Factor and Britain's Got Talent for three more years. Woo! It's back to basics <laughs> this year for X Factor with Dermot, Louis and Sharon. Uh, guys, are we all watching? Are you watching this season, Stephen? I'm watching uh, reluctantly, but I am enjoying it. The only thing I don't like this time is that it's a very prescriptive guide to who we are going to be seeing. There's uh, millions of acts and we're being, con- we're being force-fed maybe 15 people. And it's like, whether they'll win, who knows? But they're the only people we're getting to see. The extra factor on ITV2, though, absolutely brilliant. You're staying in Saturday nights, Ian, now to, yep. uh, to watch yep. X Factor. What do you make of this year? I, I, I think the X Factor is one of the best shows on TV. And I think... Um, it's just pure. You just can't take it seriously. You know that that thing that happened when the women stormed in. Oh yeah. To the to the room and demanded in tears. Even security she's already mic'd up. mic'd up. And it's like that's brilliant. It's just pure pantomime, but it's it, it's it's produced so well. And Simon Cowell is you know the best talent. I There's think, nothing else they could have replaced it with, is there? Uh, there's nothing. I, I mean, Simon Cowell for me is the reason those shows work. You know, I mean, uh, Dermot's brilliant and the, the the rest of the cast are brilliant. But I'm all about Louis. Louis pushing the really shit acts that you know they're just the you know Honey G yeah shout also, out for Wheezy and all the rest and, of and it. Those two, their their rapport is actually quite funny. Like like the cockatoo comment yeah um, was was hilarious. <laughs> Great show. And Britain's Got Talent almost as good, if not better. Those are your headlines. Thanks to Stephen, Ian, and Hannah. Next up. Having spoken to Cassian Harrison, we preview Keith Richards' Lost Weekend. I don't want to be that connected to everybody, which is why I don't have a phone or a computer. Mind you, I have people that do. But surely there's some good things about the internet. Isn't it a good way of absorbing information? Yeah, but how much can you absorb? What are you, a piece of blotting paper or what, Julian? (laughs) Things that people used to keep to themselves and work out and figure out themselves are now done online. Weird fascination with gossip. I don't have time for it, man. They'll tell you, any of those uh, Apples and Verizons and... uh, Where's the money in this? Gossip. 10% business, 90% yep, yep. Cassian, hello. Hello. Could you describe Keith Richards' Lost Weekend? I'll try. There are elements of it which even I'm not quite yet aware of. But uh, nevertheless, the idea is that what we've done is, or what we're going to do, is we're going to turn over BBC Four, the entirety of BBC Four, for over an entire weekend, Friday, Saturday and Sunday nights, to Keith Richards, You know, one of the great figures of popular culture, one of the uh, most brilliant guitarists of our era. And I think even more than that, he's a real voice of culture. I mean, it might sound surprising to say that of the guitarist of the Rolling Stones, but man has that 
that man been round the block a few times? Absolutely, yeah. Scary thought, giving uh, giving such a troubadour access to the airwaves for uh, three days. <laughs> it is, absolutely. But I do think that's what BBC4 is about. It's about, about innovation. It's about taking risks. And it's possibly not quite as mad as one might think it is. I mean, I've always found Keith Richards a fascinating figure. I don't know if you've ever encountered his autobiography, but he's clearly a man of real insight and real depth of knowledge. And to a certain extent, that really is something which is absolutely what BBC4 is about. So there is a kind of collision of risk. There is a kind of collision of putting a rock star onto a television station and giving him the controls, as it were. But I don't think it's so far off brief of BBC4 as one might imagine. Yeah, I can understand that. So so how did this come about? What was the stage where you decided uh, you wanted to get him and then how did you get him? Good question. I mean, we I've been looking at doing kind of curation and curated nights really over the last few years and we've had some real successes. We've had nights with Brian Cox, we've had nights with Chris Packham, uh, which were which went down well, but I was really interested about, oh, is this something that we could super scale? And actually it all came out of a conversation with Julian Temple, who I've got a long relationship with and we kind of meet every six months or so in a kind of bar in Notting Hill and kind of chew the fat and think about what might be interesting things to do. And I can't quite remember whether it came from him or it came from me but somehow at the end of this particular kind of uh, drink in the pub we got to the idea that well Julian knows Keith quite well and the idea that Keith might be interested in doing something like this so Julian gave him a call can't pretend that I've got Keith Richards phone number in my mobile or not yet anyway and he was incredibly into it and just really really wanted to do it thought it was a fantastic thing to do and really from there you know the gates opened as it were and it's really just been a process of um pulling it together. And so it starts, there's a few different elements of this. There's um, there's the documentary that Julian made. You're showing a full cut of that, yep. uh, Origin of the Species. Uh, Keith's picking some of the his favourite films, documentaries and comedies. And then there's some brilliant interstitials with Keith just playing guitar and just chatting about the world. I mean, that that's fascinating. That's Julian's filmed him just sort of talking about life. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, it was very much, we were also very keen on doing, we've been doing this big season over the year across BBC Two and Four called My Generation, uh, which is a series of weekends around the great decades of popular music and Julian made a film with Keith for that for our 60s moment which went out earlier in the year just before the Olympics but this is the same idea but absolutely super scaled I mean as we say we've got a great documentary about Keith the Julian one but a director's cut uh, another one of Julian's documentaries that Keith also really likes but the really good stuff in there is as you say these interstitials which is really just Keith riffing on life the universe and everything intercut with fantastic little moments everything from Tex Avery cartoons to bits of Hancock's half hour to some fantastic seminal performances from the Stones that you've never seen before and then some really big pieces in there as well I mean he's scheduled a whole series of movies which um, you might find kind of slightly unexpected from Keith Richards but you know we've got the bicycle thieves a bit of Italian new wave we've got the man who would be king we've got the girl can't help it a brilliant kind of 1960s rock and roll movie as I say the actual content in it veers and goes all over the place and all over the terrain but I think that's what it's about it's a roller coaster trip over three nights you know from seven o'clock until four o'clock in the morning every hour that bbc4 is allowed to be on air we've given it to keith i'm surprised keith is up at seven o'clock in the evening uh, even uh, then it sounds like that might be an early start for yeah him. no well it has to be said it is uh, somewhat pre-recorded and i think the actual interviews uh happen somewhat later than seven o'clock but the truth of it is is that um he's going to be around he's going to be tweeting along while it's on air so and uh, he's not actually in the country 
David Mokers, Keith, you know, he's a mobile man. I think he's in New York at the moment, but he's going to be paying close attention to what's happening. There is, a, it's, it, and it's quite fun, one of the sections of the weekend is Keith talking about his uh, existence. He's, he feels that he is probably the world's greatest night owl, which I think is probably true. There's one section where he talks about uh, staying up for nine days on the trot. And gets quite funny about realising on day three that his mind is beginning to go, but realising that the reason why he's seeing all these people in different clothes is the fact that they've all been to see him and hung out with him, gone home, had a bath, gone to sleep, got up, changed their clothes and come back again. And that actually it's not his mind wandering, it's just that time is passing. <laughs> How do you get something out of uh, out of a man like Keith Richard? He's, you know, he's got an autobiography, he's been uh, you know profiled over the years so many times. It feels like, it, just the clips I've seen, that... I guess the relationship with Julian or, or how do you get something out of Keith Richards that you haven't got before? Um, I think it's about the frame of it. I mean, you know, I think that's why he was really interested in doing it as well. I mean, absolutely. He's been on the road. He's been interviewed undoubtedly an infinite number of times. But this is a really different context for him where he's able to kick back and talk about what interests him with no real constraints. The form of it isn't going to be a magazine interview or an inset or a chat show. This is a completely different frame for somebody to have the terrain to explore and understand what it is that they're really interested in and I think for Keith you know and it's it's fascinating the man's 74 years old and we've come up with a format which feels incredibly different for him and for us and that's really exciting. No chance of getting the uh, famous bootleg Cocksucker Blues documentary on, on BBC4 that might be a stretch. It might well be absolutely. I'm going to have a little explore but we might be a little bit late now. <laughs> and BBC4 is you know this rock doc lover's dream you play some incredible music documentaries is there films or, or films about musicians, movies about bands that you haven't quite uh, done yet that you really would, really would like to? I think music absolutely is the heart of what BBC4 is about. Our Friday nights, I think, are a fantastic fixture in the broadcasting landscape. And yet we're always looking for new terrains and new characters and new ways of telling stories about popular music because it's something that just matters to everybody. It's part of the warp and the weft of everybody's understanding of culture and life. And to be able to celebrate that and to be able to celebrate it the way that we do it is just a brilliant privilege. We've got some really exciting new music documentaries coming up over the next year, which I'll keep under my hat for the moment. But we're going to terrains and we're exploring kinds of music that we never have have done before. We're doing an amazing experiment around popular music, which is bringing in all of the resources of the BBC's research and development department. So this is where science meets music in a really interesting new way. You've called BBC Four an ideas lab. It, it almost strikes me as that you're the part of the, the BBC television that's allowed to experiment a little bit more than, than other places. Does this sort of allow, you know, going back to, to Keith, this allows you to come up with crazy ideas like that? Absolutely. Um, you know, that's very much what the brief is. That's what Charlotte wants me to do. That's what Tony wants me to do. This is the place to push the boundaries, to test and forge innovation. You know, we've done slow. We're doing the curated weekends. We've even done slightly ironic, but still really interesting and really a successful piece is like train spotting live where you know the goal with that was really to see if we could activate and really get to grips with you know a, a passionate community out there in the real world and that's what we did it was incredibly successful so it's a real privilege to run bbc4 because really you know i have a blank sheet of paper to work with possibly not as much money as the other services but without being perverse about it i often think limitation in resource often forces greater creativity so it's not a problem to me and you've mentioned some of the strands and seasons it strikes me as bbc4 does that more than 
than than many other channels. Is that a something that you enjoy? Is that something that pulls things together? Talk about you know you've got the life and death uh, season. You do often mark art seasons. There's the the comedy stuff. Pulling stuff together seems to be in your in your world very much. Completely, absolutely. The idea of doing seasons or moments is very much part of the BBC Four grammar. I mean, and actually to be fair, it's not me that invented that. Richard Klein, Janice, my predecessors. That's always been something that BBC Four has has, has worked with, and I think that's right. I think there are two reasons for that. I think one, it really is a really good way of fostering and developing new ideas and creativity. It's also, to be absolutely true, it's a digital channel. I have bigger siblings, you know, and there are other commercial bigger bigger siblings as well, ITV Channel 4. And so you have to think about ways to help your channel and your service cut through in a landscape where there's so much output out there. And actually finding really impactful moments in the schedule, things that we're doing, I think really helps BBC4 to cut through in in the bigger landscape. At Edinburgh, you asked producers to, to come to you with ideas to, to fuck with form. <laughs> yes. Have they done that? <laughs> They're working on it, I think, absolutely. There's been some really interesting new ideas that have come through after I was talking about that. But as I say, I mean, it's not anything different from what I've always said BBC4 is about and what we've talked about. It's a real home of innovation. And you want stuff that people wouldn't necessarily take anywhere else you know sort of strange ideas come to you with you know really sort of new ways of working yeah completely i mean i I genuinely do think that one of the interesting ways to foster creativity is is to give people quite a tight box in a way and to give them quite a tight brief so i think i was saying at edinburgh but one of the interesting things of ways of working or thinking about content for four is about what happens when you take the tropes of television that we all know really well and you take something away so slow television is kind of about taking away editing the wonderful film knife and death which we did with the deaf community first documentary ever done entirely in sign language was about taking away speech but when you do that when you take something away i mean it's a bit like someone reminded me i'm starting to sound like lars von triers and the whole dogma thing which is fractionally embarrassing but there is a fundamental truth about that that actually rules really help creativity and i really like the dialogue that that fosters Going back to the uh, Keith Richards for a moment, uh, what's your favourite Rolling Stones record? Okay, I'm going to be really perverse about this. That Actually, my favourite Rolling Stones album is an album of all of the outtakes of Exile on Main Street. Okay. They don't even have names. It's just a take number. So I can't even remember the exact take number. But it's just this extraordinary 12-minute blues riff of Keith and everybody there. Lord knows what they're on. Undoubtedly, they haven't slept for at least three nights, etc., etc. But ju- it's just this fantastic raw groove, this which is-, is, you know, okay, I'm being, I'm being a very BBC Four Friday night like Muso, but that's my thing. This is Keith staying up for nine nights in a, in a French uh, chateau to record, right? Absolutely. Excellent, excellent. Finally, Cassin, a busy couple of weeks for the BBC. Many things going on. What's the uh, what's the mood in the camp over there? I think really good. Uh, we've had a fantastic year. Obviously, there's been some roller coasters. The Bake Off thing has obviously been a bit of a saga. But, um, you know, these things happen. We all move on. We're all as committed to brilliant ideas and brilliant television as we ever have been. I think the whole process of tendering etc all of that stuff that was talked about this week I actually personally think that's a fantastic opportunity for everybody the core of it it's about us and the production community all being able to work together to come up with and for us to be able to commission the best ideas possible wonderful well look we look forward to uh, to seeing Keith Richards take over the weekend Uh, thank you very much for joining us thank you Keith Richards Lost Weekend is made by Nitrate Films and airs all weekend from Friday through Sunday What do you make of BBC Four giving uh, Keith Richards the, the airwaves for the weekend? Stephen? I love it. I love it. As someone who is 90% yap yap <laughs> at both best of times, 
I really like this. I mean, he is compulsive viewing. I mean, you can't really take your eyes off him. He looks like an animated corpse and he's rambling away, but there's still, you know, there's still brilliance there. There's still a kind of original take. And that's what you miss on telly, seeing people who are coming at it from a different perspective. And this is perfect for BBC Four. Ian, big Stones fan? Medium Stones fan, I think. Kind of not as big as most people are, but um, got great songs, I think. He sounds like he's a guy doing an impression of Keith Richards. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's like, hey, it's just hey, a caricature man. of himself. Hey, buddy. Hey, but um, but he, wrote, he wrote some brilliant songs that um, almost so good that they're just in a national consciousness. Like, kids grow up knowing the words to satisfaction. I think, I think with these things, curation ideas, they've been around for a long time, like giving the, passing the reins over, it happens in tabloids it happens in television but it's all about how much that person's going to do and i get the impression that keith richards probably did the, the work here and i think bbc4 is a channel that would inspire that you know and he seems like he's he's really got stuck in so i think it'd be really um interesting hannah looking forward to uh, to seeing some more keith i am yeah because i feel after our conversation today like i need to know more about the stones you so do. you know i'm just gonna, <laughs> i'm just gonna watch it like for educational purposes you know to get up to speed yeah. Next time we talk about you this, get on I'll speed. be on it. <laughs> get up to speed. <laughs> Maybe that would be what you do at the end after watching Keith Richards you for that length of time. I may be influenced. Jacking up. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, up next, uh, BBC Two comedy, Morgana Robinson's The Agency. The sketch show sees Robinson perform impersonations of the likes of Joanna Lumley and East End legend Danny Dyer. In this clip, we hear Morgana being both Mel and Sue from The Great British Bake Off ahead of their final episodes of the show. We just tell them to keep on keeping on. And on and on. And on and on and on. And on and on and on and on and on. Until someone gives you a show about cake. Bingo. <laughs> Stephen, what do you make of Morgana's new show? I loved this. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, she's been, you know, a rising star for several years now. She's been the standout on every show she's ever guested on. So it was about time she got her own show. And it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, her Natalie Cassidy is, you know, is award winning. But no, I love the fact that even though sometimes she doesn't look like them, she's got them and she, she's created uh, some sort of reality. You know, uh, Danny Dyer, they're brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. Do you think this will be her moment? Yes, absolutely. Gotta be. Shane Allen's been keen to get her on TV for some time. And, I mean, she really is. She's a huge kind of talent and she's been in a lot of kind of ensemble things. And I think this is the, the format of this is such a clever thing as well because it actually has got sort of real sort of drama, real story, real poignancy. What do you make of sketch shows in general? They're so hit and miss. I mean, I like sketch shows, but only when they're funny, as yeah. everybody does. Okay. It's hardly rocket science, but it's difficult to get that alchemy right. And there's been so many where you get great actors, great talent. There's been quite a few mixes of old talent and new talent. And, it, and it's, ugh, you know, you're nearly there. And it's, it's, but this, I think, worked from the minute it started. I, I laughed all the way through. Hannah, you went to a preview of this yeah. uh, recently. What was the reaction? Uh... Everyone everyone loved it. It yeah. was brilliant. And she was brilliant. They did, they did a little Q&A afterwards with the producer, and she was very funny throughout that. She completely stole the show from everyone. Shane is obviously a massive, massive fan. I think he may have been behind her very important people bit on Channel 4 as well so he's obviously been sort of pushing her for ages and they've obviously got a good relationship and yeah I'm with Stephen like the Natalie Cassidy was awesome and it is cool how they've got like a sort of little narrative through all the sketches so it isn't just like random sketches and they've kind of built in characteristics of these people that aren't necessarily true Do you think clever. this will be the moment this will be the one that hits do you think this might break through I think it could do yeah it's a really funny show and hopefully people enjoy it yeah Sketch shows Ian what did you make of this? Well, I love Morgana and I loved VIP. I thought it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. 
on Channel Four for a long time, and and it was the same impressions. It was it was Natalie Cassidy, it was Russell, but as you say, she's taken that idea and taking it one step up by yeah. building in the narrative of having an agent. Um, who makes it? Is it running Happy, happy, happy Tramp. Happy Tramp, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 she's great. The impressions are great. And the thing about her impressions is she doesn't look like them at all. And that's, <laughs> that's funny. And, and also, they're not... She's not one of those comedians that has to sound exactly like the impression. She just is a caricature of it. You know, I think her Russell Brand is off the scale, <laughs> actually. And then that the Cassidy stuff is, is brilliant, as mm-hmm. you said. And, and even choosing that the Cassidy in 2016 as a subject yeah. and basically the star yeah. of, a, of a show is, is Talk a great Talking about the thing. NTAs of all things. Unbelievable. It's, so, it's, it's such a naff storyline. <laughs> and hope, yet it works brilliantly. I hope it is her moment. I don't know um, if this will be, but I hope it is because she's a fantastic talent. You know, and you wrote that story recently about female comedy uh, female talent in comedy and I think it's a brilliant time you've got Morgana and, and Sharon Horgan I think is you know outstanding <laughs> we'll leave it there uh, Morgana Robinson's The Agency is made by Happy Tramp and airs on Monday the 26th on BBC2 at 10pm and that's your lot for this episode of Talking TV I'm Peter White and the producer is Chica Ayres you can't always get what you want You've been listening to Broadcast, Talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. 